What's up, everybody? This is Esoteric Eddie. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast version of Esoteric Eddie TV. I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. Ancient Mexico was the home of a spiritual people. Its past is shrouded in mystery, which is hard to uncover. Almost all of the people's writings were burned, their structures destroyed, and their sacred customs desecrated. Among the colonizers was Bishop Diego de Landa. He was solely responsible for the operation which burned almost all of the Mayan texts save the four we have in existence today. His famous Relación de las Cosas de Yucatán chronicled his expedition, which he wrote extensively on the Mayan people, their strange customs, and legends. It would be this infamous book that, through misfortune, would become a great tool to look into the Mayan past. Delanda utilized local informants to translate Mayan glyphs into the corresponding Spanish letters. It would be Delanda's work that would later help scholars to not only understand ancient Mexico, but to decipher the Mayan language. Along with Delanda's work and the remaining glyphs on stone structures, we also have the testimony of other colonizers who journaled their experiences with the indigenous Mexicans. Among these important pieces of primary source, we have the Florentine Codex. It was put together by the 16th century Spanish Franciscan friar Bernardino de Sahagún. After he conducted intense research and study, Sahagún put together the Florentine Codex. With the help of cooperative natives, he was able to design a literary work consisting of 2,400 pages organized into 12 books with more than 2,000 illustrations drawn by native artists. It documents the culture, traditions, legends, and cosmology of the Aztec people. Along with this timeless piece, we also have the legendary codex of Chimalpopoca. The original is now lost, however, we have copies and translations. It is a three-part codex, with some parts written in Nahuatl, a native language of ancient Mexico, and a part written by 17th century Spanish cleric and expeditioner Pedro Ponce de Leon. Authors like Enrique Florescano have taken legends and writings from the people of Mexico themselves and compiled them into amazing works of literature, like his famous 2006 work, National Narratives in Mexico, A History. Mexico is a beautiful land with a history helping make up the body of humanity as a whole. Our human story wouldn't be fully told without including Mexico in this tale. In ancient Mexico's past, out of the primal days of humanity's stretching wakefulness, the earliest civilization to arise was that of the Olmecs. After them came the Zapotec, the Maya, and just before the Aztecs and the modern foundation of Mexico's modern history, there flourished for some time the Toltecs. Explaining Mexico's complex story would take a long but worthy time. However, in this documentary, I want to tell you a very specific story within that expansive timeline. A story about our ancient family, the Toltecs, their spiritual hero, Queacatl Topeltzin, and his rival, who caused the empire to fall to his dark occult arts, Tezcatlipoca. I'll be summarizing the work of Frank Diaz's 2002 the Gospel of the Toltecs, The Life and Teachings of Quetzalcoatl. Diaz did the hard work of finding primary sources 
both Spanish and Mexican, to piece together the chronological story of Que Acatl, also titled Quetzalcoatl. Not to be confused with the legendary god Quetzalcoatl, Que Acatl was a mortal, a boy who rose to be king. This king would later become faced with treachery and would have to choose between royalty or spirituality. Victor Sanchez, another prominent scholar with works on ancient Mexico, writes of Que Acatl in Diaz's foreword that Que Acatl Topilzin was an extraordinary human being whose role for the Toltec and Maya was similar to that of Jesus Christ for the Christians, Buddha for the Buddhists, or Muhammad for the Muslims. With that being said, let's dive into this tragic and redemptive tale involving ancient Mexico's evil wizard. Diaz's version of the tale starts with Human the Elder. This legendary astrologer prophet lived to be 300 years old. In the dusk of his life, around 33 BCE, he began to recount the history of the Toltec people. He organized their sacred knowledge and put it together in a now lost work titled the Teomoxtli, the Divine Book. Human prophesied the emergence of a Messiah figure who would rise as a king. This king would face hard times, causing him to become stubborn and blinded in his chaos. This loss of confidence would cause a group of rebel priests to rise up and take the throne, ushering in an era of heresy and calamity. The kingdom would fall under sin. The people would begin to sacrifice each other, bringing death and shame to their former ways of spirituality. This disgraced king would be driven out by the backstabbing priesthood, left to Rome, only to return a victorious God-man, leaving his people one last set of teachings to abide so that they may regain their souls in times of treachery. This king that Human prophesied about was Keakatl Topilzin, his name meaning one reed, the prince, named after the sign he was born under. His father was Mixcoat, ruler of the Toltecs, and his mother was Chimalma, a regular gal from Amatlan. His mother was born from an elderly priest couple who had prayed to the gods for a child. It was prophesied that she would not marry, but only give birth to a boy. Her parents tried to train her in feminine ways to escape the prophecy, but she refused to marry and had an innate passion for sport and combat. Both Keakatl's parents were warriors. During a mission to subdue other tribes, Mixcoat, the father of one reed, stopped to rest in a forest in Amatlan. During his rest, he found Shimalma bathing in a nearby ravine. Mixcoat attempted to shoot arrows at her, but the skillful Shamalma dodged the arrows. Reaching for her weaponry, they engaged in a fight. The duel ended in a standstill. Mixcoat and Shimalma were impressed by each other and built a relationship together, with Mixcoat bringing the gal back to the Toltec kingdom. During her days with the king, Shimalma experienced an immaculate conception. She was visited by a sacred fish in a bathing river that gave her a jade stone. She swallowed the jewel by accident, attempting to keep it in her mouth for safekeeping, and by this she became pregnant. Mixcoat became enraged by this strange pregnancy, assuming it was due to some infidelity, so he sought out an oracle to explain the situation. The oracle told Mixcoat, as we are told by Diaz, 
that it is important that he take care of Chimalma, for the essence of heaven has come down to earth. The spirit of grace has manifested itself. Being ecstatic about the divine child, the king announced the pregnancy to the royal court. Mixcoat's brothers, one reads uncles, Zoltan and Kuitan, were bitter and jealous, knowing that the child would succeed the throne. The uncles had Mixcoat ambushed and killed. Among this devastating news, Shemalma drew into contractions, entering her birthing phase. She was led to the majestic bathing river, adorned in her beautiful royal jewelry. She gave a painful birth to Ke'ekatl and died afterwards. The devious uncles hired some woman to dispose the child and murder him. Legend has it that they attempted to kill the baby a few times, with each time the child being saved by miraculous circumstances. In their final attempt, they threw the baby Ke'ekatl into a river, hoping he would drown. As he was carried off by the current, they were satisfied he would meet his death, so they turned around and left. Keakatl survived this treacherous journey. Being spotted by a nearby farmer, he was saved and taken into safety. Shemalma's parents got news of the rescued baby, took a hold of him, and raised him in secrecy. One reed was agile and sportive, taking after his parents. On his seventh birthday, he was given his mother's weapons. He would often leave home to go hunt and bring back his grandparents' food and trinkets. In the year 13th Akatl, or 959 CE, one reed was 12 years old. It was around this time that his uncles learned of his existence. They were fearful and devised a deceptive plan to capture and kill their nephew. They sent a letter to one reed, inviting him to the royal palace so that they could be acquainted. His grandparents were reluctant to let him go knowing it could be the cause of his death. One reed assured them that he would go alone. With confidence, he would face his father's murderers. The uncles arranged to meet one reed on top of the temple in the early morning. Their plan was to push him down the temple to his death. One reed was clever and knew their intentions, so he beat them to the temple, arriving there earlier than them that next morning. As Zoltan approached one reed first, after walking up the many stone steps of the temple, Ke'ekatl smashed a stone vase on his head, hurtling Zoltan down the temple where he tumbled to his death. Kuitan was also killed by Ke'ekatl. He took their bodies and fed them to the sacrificial fire. The uncles were a deranged bunch that were cruel to the kingdom. The people were glad they were defeated. Ke'ekatl arose to the throne of Tula and was loved by the Toltec people. His grandparents heard the news and were joyed that their grandson regained his rightful place within the kingdom. He was taught the secrets of life and metaphysics by the priesthood. He meditated in a temple for four years when he was 27, then went to rule over the people at the age of 31. He reached a profound state of spirituality and decided to organize the kingdom towards a moralistic society. Geagatl was now the Toltec king. He revived its capital, Tula creating fascinating innovations. The economy was thriving without poverty. Everyone contributed, and with his spiritual guidance, the kingdom was prosperous. He was very spiritual, listening to his people and helping them with the matters of their hearts and troubles. He worked alongside the mystics and priests, adjusting the zodiac and sacred calendars. He supported the arts, allowing the culture to advance and thrive. 
He also supported the workers to innovate and make life in Tula wonderful. Geekatul was a pious man. During the day, he would be seen in his royal regalia, helping the kingdom in any way he could. During after hours, in his solitude, he would be in his robe with his hair down, praying to the creator of life. The peace in the kingdom did not last long. Soon, Keakatl's greatest battle began to emerge. A sorcerer by the name of Tezcatlipoca entered the kingdom and slowly sowed discord among the people, introducing human sacrifice. He was a trickster and would seduce vulnerable people by magic, sex, and drugs, causing them to turn to his cult of sacrifice and lust. No one knows where he came from. Before his arrival into the kingdom, he introduced himself to a simpleton in the forest gathering firewood. Tezcatlipoca, then appearing as a very old man, startled the wood gatherer, asking him if he knew Keakatl. The simpleton replied that he did, that Keakatl was his lord. Tezcatlipoca told the man to send a message to him that he would like to meet with him alone on top of a nearby mountain. The man was concerned and told Tezcatlipoca that he could not get the message to the Lord and that he could not meet with him because Keakatl is in meditation in the palace, surrounded by guards, only to be bothered for an emergency. Tezcatlipoca performed a magic trick, turning dead wood back into a lively branch with flowers on it, saying, Take a flower, bring it to Keakatl, and tell him to meet me on the mountain and say that the king his father dwells on the other side of the world and is waiting. The old man was startled and fled. Keakatl heard of the strange encounter and went to meet with the old man, accompanied with his guards. When they found the old man, he was deranged and said, I don't know who you are looking for. I am only a wanderer looking for crumbs to eat. The king was confused about the encounter and did not know what the omen could mean. Tezcatlipoca was known to be a shapeshifter and would sometimes transform into a sexually beautiful woman to seduce people. He did this to Keakatl. One day, when the king was bathing in an aqueduct, two whores, it is said, approached him naked and said they were from a foreign land, Zapotlan, and came seeking refuge. Keakatl, trying to keep his morals, told them that they must speak with him properly the next day in his quarters. The next day they came dressed provocatively and seduced the king. He didn't fall into their trap. However, the townspeople saw the whores entering the building and rumors spread that the king and the priest were partaking in lust. So some of the people began to do so also, and some of the royal women were intrigued and began to seduce the priest. Not long after, the whole capital was engaged in lust and babies were being born out of wedlock. Geakato went into prayer for some time, trying to find a solution. One day, he decided to meditate at a shrine near a ball court. Tezcatlipoca sent divine emissaries, masked as regular people, challenging Keakatl to a ball game. Keakatl agreed and won the game. After asking for his reward, they offered him corn, but he refused because the deal they made was for precious stones. They then threw the corn and cursed him, saying his people would now have famine. For four years, the kingdom went through intense climate changes, starting with heavy snows, then intensive heat and lightning. A drought fell on the land. The crops were failing. People were suffering, some turning towards a desperate zombie-like fatigue. Keakatl prayed to Tlaloc, 
the patron god of the rains, after his powerful ritual prayers, he was answered to, but Tlaloc said, for there to be food, Keekatl must sacrifice the daughter of one of the neighboring kings. Keekatl was distraught about the solution and told his priest to keep it a secret, but Tezcatlipoca incited the people, spreading the gossip, demanding that the neighboring king's daughter be kidnapped, for she was the cause of the curse. Tezcatlipoca and the mob went to the neighboring kingdom, which was weak and outnumbered, demanding that the daughter be given to them. She was regretfully given up, and when brought back to Tula, she was brutally sacrificed, and this was the beginning of human sacrifice. After this, the rains came back, and the land became fruitful again. Tezcatlipoca convinced the people that the gods demanded human sacrifice, and through this, they will prosper and regain their strength. Tezcatlipoca killed an old woman, skinned her, and had one of his followers wear her face. He then went around persuading the people to offer themselves in sacrifice to the gods in return for eternal life. The people, in a trance and gullible, began to self-sacrifice. The corrupted priest began cutting off the heads of the hypnotized people, volunteering for this gruesome ritual. Tezcatlipoca went on a ravaging escapade to slowly destroy the spirit of the Toltec kingdom. Next, he went into a sacred temple where a divine black stone was kept. It was used to talk with Ometliotl, the creator of all. The evil wizard drugged the guards, then broke the stone into pieces, breaking the connection with the creator of all. Strange omens began to appear. An enigmatic alien person, tall with white skin and blonde hair, appeared in the kingdom, sitting on a rock. The hunters stalked it, then captured it. They killed it and attempted to take it to the capital. Upon their arrival, the strange white being's mouth opened, toothless, its mouth gave off a disgusting stench. The being was gurgling back to life. The people were afraid. Tezcatlipoca urged the people to take it away to the nearby river. They did so, but its rotting corpse gave off a foul odor and mixed with the wind and waters, causing a pandemic of disease. Curses began to fall back on Tula, causing locusts and worms to swarm the fields and destroy the crops. During all of this, Keekatl could only think to separate himself from the madness by meditating, seeking a solution. Tezcatlipoca transformed into a priest and went around persuading the people that they must leave Tula to escape the infliction. Masses of people listened and went with him. Eventually, he took them to a nearby city where a great abundant garden lay. He killed the farmer and took on his form. After the people gathered, wine was passed around and drums were played. The people slipped into drunkenness, singing and dancing. Tezcatlipoca put them into a trance, beating drums harder, louder, and faster, putting them into a hypnotized state. He then led them to a nearby cliff, where they all fell over and died. Some, barely surviving, would try to climb up, but were met by the evil wizard and his sledgehammer, where he would bash them in the skull. After all of this, Keakatl knew that he had to do more than meditate and pray. He attempted to have the whole city pray together. After the prayer, a bad omen was seen. A deformed deer staggering out of the woods, headed directly towards the king. As it reached Keakatl, it disappeared. All the people grew afraid and started to believe it was the king who was behind all of the curses and destruction. The kingdom was starting to falter and people's spirits were growing weak. 
The priests began to conspire against Kekatl in secret, trying to decide how to bring the capital back together. Among them, the evil wizard disguised himself as a priest and instigated the congregation, saying that they should get Kekatl drunk and cause him to break his fasting and celibacy. The plan was accepted. Kekatl was starting to lose his spirit and sanity, pacing around the palace trying to find a solution for the destruction. Tezcatlipoca and one of his servants made some wine and food and disguised themselves as elders from a faraway land. They tried to meet with the king to bring him some comfort. Persistently pleading to the king, Keakatl decided to give them a chance. The disguised wizard then edged the king to eat and drink to lift his spirits, but he refused. They kept instigating him to eat and drink, convincing him that they had the answer that he had been praying for. The king, distraught, gave in and drank. He became drunk, and then they started to fill his head with promises of a new kingdom and excited him. Keakatl was vulnerable and venting to the elders, hoping that what they were prophesizing would come true. Upon this, one of Tezcatlipoca's servants went and drugged Keakatl's royal sister, Quetzal. When brought to the palace, the siblings were happy to see each other, and in their sedated state, they celebrated, being further dosed by the evil wizards. As the royal siblings rejoiced in drunkenness, eventually they fell asleep in each other's arms. The next morning, the two awoke and were ashamed of what they had done. They had broken their spiritual vows by eating and drinking and sleeping with each other. Tezcatlipoca went around telling everyone of the incident, shaming the king. This was the last straw for the people and the priest. The councilmen held a meeting with the king and commanded that he leave. Keakatl was banished from the kingdom. He was defeated. His last remaining friends and followers comforted him. He demanded them to hide his remaining riches in the mountains, burn whatever remains they couldn't carry with them. And before departing, Tezcatlipoca incited a mob to mock and throw stones at Keakatl and his followers. This was the end of the Toltecs and the kingdom of Tula. It became a barren and desolate place. Keakatl went on a spiritual journey with a few servants and followers carrying the remains of Toltec art, riches, and history. As they reached the outer forest, he went into meditation and contacted his spirit guide, who told him to carry on, for his time on earth was shortening, and he was destined for peace and eternity. Upon his travels, his followers became frustrated and argued on which way to go, but Gekatl, or One Reed, now entering an existential state of being, answered them, saying, Think about it, friends. Nowhere on this earth will we find rest. Choose the direction that you find to your liking. He knew that nowhere would humanity find peace in a corrupt world. Peace could only be sought after from within. Many left the journey, and some stayed with the mystic. They reached a natural fountain spring in the forest, and there one reed meditated. During his meditation, he was tempted by some strange local starving hermits. They pestered him to go back to his kingdom, back to his riches and abundance. The king refused, and after this, he commanded his followers to throw all of their belongings and remnants of the old Toltec kingdom into the fountain. From this point forward, they were to leave behind what they once were and become totally dedicated to a spiritual life. Passing through a valley, a hard snow fell upon them, and many of them died. 
After the storm, only eight people were left with him. By this time, they had long beards and long hair. They finally made it to a kingdom in the south where the tale of Tezcatlipoca and Queacatl was already known. He was welcomed and greeted with respect and enthusiasm for what he had achieved and went through. This kingdom was Chichen Itza. The people and king came to see him. They reveled in him as a mystic and asked him for spiritual guidance and healing. He stayed in Chichen Itza for a small time, helping establish some new sacred structures and teachings. The people wanted him to stay as a spiritual leader, but he refused and instead left behind one of his followers to teach and instruct the ancient Toltec way of life. One reed went on to different kingdoms, bringing wisdom and seeking knowledge from their elders, leaving behind monuments and sacred sites to venerate his presence there. Tezcatlipoca's influence had spread throughout the land, and many kingdoms were becoming corrupt. Because of this, one reed decided to stay in Cholula, a place still spiritually intact. He set up a spiritual school where he taught the people the Toltec way, telling them, The Toltec is wise. He is a luminary, a torch, a great smokeless torch. He gives wisdom to the people. He stops, observes, and reflects. The true Toltec, the disciple, is abundant, diverse, restless, capable, and skillful. They are self-made people who teach themselves, talk with their own heart, and find the answers within. The true Toltec gets everything from their heart. They are careful. They are artists who create and fix what is broken. The false Toltec acts reckless and is a disappointment to the people. He darkens everything. He does not create. He is an imitator. Become Toltecs, people of self-experience. If you acquire the habit and the discipline of consulting your own heart for everything, you will become Toltecs. The esoteric one read told them to study the stars and to be astute with language, to speak well and truthfully, to be honorable, neutral, not an extremist, that from the center you can see all sides. He also warned them of sorcerers, the false wise ones, and the false doctors who bring only death and darkness. The people were encouraged to remain self-sustaining and to keep their morals and traditions, to be healthy and sober-minded people, to be creative, and to continue to learn and innovate. One reed would sit on the stairs of the great temple of Cholula and give the people guidance every day, teaching them the Toltec way of being a good person. He insisted that they be kind, generous, not self-centered, and to seek Ometeotl and offer praise and thanks to him every day. He warned them against the greed for riches and that a person should seek to provide and build rather than to wait around and be given. Geacatl was praised and held in high regard. After some time, the king of Cholula put together a royal banquet and invited the mystic. Geacatl showed up only wearing his spiritual robe. The guards mistook him for a beggar and told the king some poor man was looking to come inside. The king told them to throw him to the street. When it was later found that it was Geacatl, the king was embarrassed and in front of everyone apologized and cried at his feet, asking him for forgiveness. Geacatl gave a wonderful speech, saying that we are all naked, we are all dust, and that God will one day become tired of you, and you will be nothing but a skeleton, and only in God are we rich in appearance. The king was moved and sorry for his actions, and from then on great importance was placed on spirituality in the wider kingdom of Cholula. On life and death, 
Diaz informs us in his amazing book, The Gospel of the Toltecs, that one read declared, Do not deceive yourselves. The dead ones do not die. They wake up. We who live here are not really living. We are dreaming. To die is to become a god, a sun, a moon, a star, the wind, the sea, the land. In 998 CE, Keakatl later had a dream in which it was revealed to him that he must leave Cholula. Preparing for his departure, the embassy of the kingdom tried to dissuade him, but he had his mind made up. His followers and the priest were saddened and tried to guilt him into staying, but one reed replied, Have you really had me among you? Have you truly had need for me? With anguish we live on earth, but ask your memory, is this our true house? Observe the signals. Our existence is found in another place. After ten years of being with the people there, he left Cholula, leaving with a tribe of followers again. He departed on his last journey. The mystic and his followers came upon obstacles and strange encounters. Arriving upon a great roaring river with no way to cross, his followers already began lamenting their choices and were distressed, trying to find a way to cross. One reed was annoyed and shouted at them, Cowards, what are you afraid of? Who knows if we must live or we must die? Why do you hesitate, precipitating the end in this way? Make an effort. One reed struck his foot on a boulder, causing it to miraculously crack in half, falling into the river, creating a bridge. They also came upon a strange encampment where some psychonauts were sitting in a stupor. They were known as the thinkers. One reed inquired of their matters concerned about their corpse-like appearance. He questioned why they sat there, not making any use of themselves. They responded nihilistically, stating that if death is to come to all, then why not wait for it in one place? What would be the purpose of attempting to achieve anything? One reed was bothered by their vainness and saw the spirit of Tezcatlipoca within them. He condemned them, saying that all creatures, even the animals, serve the creator of all, Ometiotl, with their works. He said to them, Your work is useless and your anguish is in vain. How can you be so quiet when you are at a feast? The thinkers sat there, expressionless and motionless, pondering the vast nothingness of death. Keakatl was disturbed, so he gathered his followers and then left. The mystic and his followers endured more hardships and encounters. One reed's mission was coming to a completion. He knew it was time for him to leave this earth. On their path, they came across some dancers, painted and dressed in anklets and rattles. They were filled with joy. They danced wildly, spinning, popping and locking into amusing postures. They followed the law of their hearts. One reed was amazed and inquired about their attitude in dances. They responded, saying that an emissary of the Creator of all showed them this practice. One reed was amazed by their tale and joined them in their dancing and singing. He felt a joy in his heart. He felt he understood his purpose, and it was to serve the great Creator, to rejoice in life for him and because of him. After many travels, one reed eventually found a sacred place and had his disciples build an altar where he was to burn himself alive. His followers cried and asked in despair if this was absolutely necessary. It was so. He sat there in silence, meditating on the altar, preparing himself for the grand transition.
After a few goodbyes and smiles at his disciples, he burned himself and left the earth. After the self-immolation of one reed, birds from all over came to witness the ritual, and a storm with bolstering thunder appeared, accompanied by an eclipse. During this strange phenomena, Keakato's heart rose from the ashes like a bright jade stone. It then levitated towards the sky and disappeared. And from that day forward, his heart was known as the morning star. His many disciples were saddened, but soon grateful to have been in the presence of a great and wise Messiah. Legend has it, after four days, he was seen walking around back from the dead. He returned among his weeping disciples, and surprising them, he instructed them further on life and death to continue spreading the Toltec way. He blessed them once more and instructed them, commanding, Wherever you go, ask for the history of that place. Understanding the dark side of the people there and helping out in their rituals and traditions only as long as they are favorable to your nature as Toltecs. But be aware of human sacrifices and idolatry and carefully protect yourselves from them. In your routines, study the sacred books, for they are Ometeotl's voice, and talk daily with your heart. He preached and prophesied for days. He assured them that although he would be gone physically, his spirit would be with them. After this, he left the earth for good, departing on a raft towards the sea, where it then lifted and went into the heavens. After all of this, Tezcatlipoca and his priest became enraged and sought out all the remaining Toltec followers, killing and destroying them and their remaining cities. After some time, Tezcatlipoca told his men to cease the hunt and let the pitiful number of Toltecs scatter, for their age was over. It was then the age of Tezcatlipoca, the age of sorcery, occult, and human sacrifice to the gods of death.